welcome back everybody I'm really um pleased to be here and Emma how are you doing yeah doing really well thank you Claire it's great to be with everybody and uh, another new year and uh, yeah just excited to to hear all of the different speakers that we've got lined up wonderful and I know that um you got to speak with Kay didn't you and uh, she might be um, familiar to some of our listeners but uh, I know that you've said that it was really an informative kind of conversation that you had and around additional needs and what that means for intergenerational ministry is that right that's right yeah and she was just inspirational I can't wait for you to hear this podcast and it's a real challenge, actually, for all of our churches. How do we make ourselves accessible? How do we make ourselves more aware, um, not just of the really obvious needs, but of really specific needs that some of our children, young people and adults have when they come into our services and when they come into doing the activities that we organise? She is just out of this world and I can't thank her enough for sharing all of her wisdom with us. Can, I, I'm always really um, fascinated and I'd be interested to see if she covers this in that churches often wait until they have somebody with additional needs before they put anything in place. But obviously, if things aren't in place, that can prevent people accessing right from the very start. Does she touch on that or is that something that we can just be thinking about? Uh, she does touch on that. Uh, she touches on that quite specifically and gives some really specific um examples as well things that you know I thought I had thought lots of things through but even I hadn't thought some of these things through um and yeah it, it just is a real challenge and a real eye-opener and, a, and a, a way of sort of saying how open are we to making everything really inclusive yeah oh well I'm really looking forward to hearing and learning from her wisdom and from her experience I'm thrilled today to be joined by Kay um, and I'm just going to launch straight in. Kay, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself, what organisations you represent and what you're about? Oh, that could take the whole time, actually. That's uh, fine. Kay, <laughs> I'm Kay morgan Gert. I used to be a nurse who specialised in children with additional needs, starting off with uh, neonatal um, that's because God called me when I was 14 to actually do some work around the whole thing of disability in the church, because the kids I was working with on a camp, um, if they became Christians on that camp, they had physical disabilities. When they got away from the camp back into their, their homes, they couldn't get into church and the churches they could get into, they were not made welcome. And having had a rant at God about this, he just said, well, do something about it then. <laughs> so that set my trajectory to go into nursing. Now, as it happens now, and I'm talking 40 years later, I am disabled myself. I am a wheelchair user and I have a visual impairment. And I think that has actually given me more right to actually speak into the whole subject of disability and additional needs. Thank you. So, so you work uh, predominantly with Additional Needs Alliance, is that right? That is right. I co-founded it with my friend uh, and partner in crime is how we often describe <laughs> it. Uh, Mark Arnold, who works as the 
Oh, the disability ministry person for Urban Saints. That's not his proper title, but you'll, you'll get the, the idea. He does some amazing training. Um, we were introduced because we were of like mind and the Additional Needs Alliance came out of that. And it's just been so exciting. I'll do a quick advert for that if you don't mind. Please do. Um, the Additional Needs Alliance, we have a website, which is the additionalneedsalliance.org, I think. Do a Google search, it will come up if I've got it wrong. And we are predominantly on Facebook. We have many, many people in there. It's now over 2,600 people in that group. It is families. So the grown-ups who happen to look after children with additional needs. Um, it is for anybody that works in a church setting with children with additional needs and young people. But we also have a lot of specialists. So there are occupational therapists, there are physiotherapists. It is a wonderful mishmash of people that are just working together to do what is needed to support children, young people with additional needs and disabilities in a church setting. Fantastic. And I must say, I've had a look at that website and it's great to see how many partners you've got. You know, you really are working across all the agencies within the Christian world. And it's really heartwarming to see. So you mentioned there about uh, going on that camp, seeing children with physical disabilities, coming away from that camp, having found Jesus and, and being excited about wanting to engage in church life. But finding that church life didn't have the welcome that maybe they were anticipating. Can you explore maybe some of what what were the, the main issues? Was it, was it the fact that people just weren't welcoming or was it about the building not being compatible? What were the what were the issues that sort of surrounded that for people? Um, there were a whole plethora of reasons. Um, I'll tell stories to try and help uh, explain. Um, one of the young people there, um, absolutely delightful young lady, the same age as me, right, considering I went when I was 14. And she wanted to go to church when we came out, out of the camp. She arrived in one church and she couldn't get in. She went to the church I attend, and I love my church. And again, as I said, this is 40 years ago. So um, she had become a Christian. It was obvious, but many people sort of looked at her and assumed that that was not possible for her because she couldn't vocalize. Actually, she was in Mensa, so she's clever. <laughs> um, yeah. She tried to take communion, but you know. I know, knew how to feed her because she couldn't use her arms or anything. So, you know, we were friends. I wasn't her carer, I was her friend. And she wanted to take communion. Of course, you always knew if she was being fed, you don't stand in front of her. So she, of course she choked on the bread and pebble dashed the person sitting in front. <laughs> I use that language knowing that she found that funny as well. Yeah. And people just could not understand, why did I allow her to take communion, for goodness sake? Why this? Why that? And, you know, even now in my 50s, I sit down in a church where I'm preaching and somebody will sidle up and go, can those people that you do things with actually become a Christian? 
So that is the issue then, it is still the issue now. For others, it was such hard work fending off people's inappropriate questions, they gave up. Um, and also the patronising comments, you know, how would you feel if every day you crossed the road, somebody said, well done for crossing the road? Mm. And they don't take it that well. A couple of the boys on that camp, if they got patronised, they had swear words programmed into their talkers to say exactly what they thought. Okay. You know, so they didn't cope with that bit really well. Yeah. <clears throat> One or two stayed. <clears throat> Excuse my cough, it's part of my disability. <coughs> Sorted. <laughs> um, you'll probably have to cut this bit. Um, okay, one or two stage you were at. Yeah, um, so I was just talking about the kids with the talkers. Yes, yeah. Um, there was one young man that became a Christian on that camp. His church went out and out to support him getting into the church. He had a good youth worker. Um, he got to the point where he was in hospital on end of life care. And we got an urgent call, myself and my husband, to go in and talk to him because I said, he won't be here tomorrow, please, can you come in? And he wanted to check the fact he couldn't be baptised in the normal way was okay. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And what the, the youth leader had come in and done was to sprinkle him because that was the only way he could actually show to the world that he loved Jesus so much. As we were there, the head teacher came in. This school that we took the children from only ever had assemblies if a child had died charming yeah. and he just said to him what would you like me to tell your friends and your classmates mm. and he said I have a very short message for them and I always tear up at this bit so excuse me he just wanted to say to them tell them that Jesus is the most important person in the whole world tell them they need to know Jesus and she did mm. So you've got the example of the churches that couldn't get it, yeah. but you've got the church that just got it absolutely right. Mm, mm. Oh, I got shivers going down my spine. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that story. I mean, one of the things that sort of I want to, to just draw on is, is that you said, you know, not dismissing the, the good story, but just holding on to the sort of bit of a negative tack at the minute. You said that sometimes it's not that much different from 40 years ago to now. Have we moved? Have we moved at all? Or are we still in this place where we've got some churches who get it <clears throat> and can do it and other churches that are still, in all intents and purposes, doing damage because they are not showing the welcome we are called to give? And what is the role of our CYF workers in the midst of that? It's a big question. Uh, sorry. Um, that's all right. Um, I will start by saying there has been some improvement with more churches that are willing. And it's not good enough yet. Mm -hmm. So I am asked the same questions as I was so many years ago. You know, sort of, why should we change everything for one child? 
So I'm still getting that. I'm still getting, what can I do that keeps me legal? So what they're asking is, what is the least I can do? I still get calls from people saying, we've got this kid, he's disrupting everything. How can we send him out of the church without causing a, a kerfuffle? I still get emails from churches saying, we need some training on restraining. How do we get that training? I mean, yes, I am trained in that, mm-hmm. but I am trained in that for a specific time in a specific location. Yeah. where it is needed for the child's safety. Yeah. What I said to them was, let me take you back an awful long way. What people aren't getting is for certain children that they think should not be in their church because they're upsetting people, that if you get everything in place, you don't get to that point. Mm. Mm. So I am still facing all of those questions, all of those attitudes, But then I get a delightful church that will come and say, we failed with this family. We have acknowledged with this family we have failed. Mm -hmm. We have told them we are going to get training. If they don't want to come back to us, we totally understand. But we will never let this happen to another family. So to the 20 or so messages I get on one thing, I'll get one encouragement. Yes. Yeah. But as you say, there's still a long way, there's still a long way to go. Yeah. So what would you say if a church was going to get it right? Now, we're all human. We're all fallible. We're never going to quite get it right because there will always be something that either we say inadvertently without meaning to cause offence that, you know, we are we are human at the end of the day but what would it look like for a church to fully engage with children young people families with additional needs whatever that additional need may be and i get i i understand there's a massive spectrum um, of additional needs but what would it start to look like if a church said we want to engage with this we want to make sure that we are accessible we are welcoming, we encourage belonging. What does that start to look like? (laughs) I'll start with a one word answer. Listen, (laughs) listening is key. The second answer to that is understand. And the next word is believe. Now, a lot of people will come at the situation saying, I know about X disability or additional need and your child needs this, this, this or this. Whereas actually what they know is one mode of that particular disability or additional need. Mm. Um, To take autism as an example, if you've met one child with with autism, you've met just one child with autism. Mm. Everyone is completely different. So... you need to ask ask the grown-up that is attached to them it won't always be a parent it might be a foster carer it may be a kinship carer anything like that but any grown-up that is has the care of that child you need to ask them what is best because they know their child best Mm. 
And then we need to believe them. Just because second cousin twice removed who has a neighbor who has that child doesn't respond that way, doesn't mean this child will be exactly the same. So some children who are neurodiverse will love and crave noise. Others will hate noise. We can use that as a starting point, knowing that information, but we can then find out from the parents. But that believing issue is a real problem. Mm-hmm. But then we go into the, but if we change it for that child, it's going to ruin it for the rest. <clears throat> and this is actually a biggie. I get this one a lot. Um, on camps, in children's groups, all sorts of things. And we just have to remember, actually, if you change one thing for one child, it makes it easier for everybody else. To give you an example of physical disability, especially with me using a power wheelchair, Mm -hmm. um, if you put in a ramp, it doesn't just help me, it helps people that struggle to get up steps. It helps that pregnant lady who's about to pop and can't do the steps because her back hurts too much. It helps the mum with a pushchair. It helps so many people. Mm. If you complain about words upon a screen in the church because dyslexics can't see words that move, you know, or a moving background mm. or any busy background, it really makes it hard. If you go and put red words, it's even worse. Mm. <clears throat> If you change it for that one person that says, I can't see it, you have just helped a lot of your elderly congregation. Mm -hmm. You have helped people on the autistic spectrum that can't cope with all of that movement. You have helped the person with depression that can't cope with all of that busyness. Mm -hmm. You've helped more than that one person. Mm -hmm. So again and again, I will say, change it for one, you make it better for all. Can I stop and cough again? Of course you can. <laughs> <clears throat> I had pneumonia two years ago and I'm still struggling. Oh, bless you. Um, just because the disability makes it worse because I can't get the breath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so mornings are a bit coughing, but yeah, it's cleared no. again now. No, I understand that. My mum's got COPD. Oh, yes. Um, and... <laughs> has a little monitor and again the coffin you know just her lung capacity is so little it doesn't you know doesn't stop her she still is very active and uh, out and about as she as she yeah. tries to be she doesn't like she's one of those who doesn't like it being known and I think well yeah. actually it's about time you told some people because yeah. you know it might, be help, it might help it might some people yeah my muscles are affected by my conditions. It has sent the muscles in my rib cage to the point that they don't expand, they stiffen. Right. So it's not my lungs that are stopping me. Yeah. It's actually the muscles that stop me taking a big breath. Right. Yeah. Which then means that if you get something like pneumonia, it just doesn't clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joy and a delight. Oh, it does. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Gosh. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> to continue. <laughs> okay, so where do we go? Um, let me just think. Um, sorry, I've just lost my train of thought now. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 please don't apologise. Please don't apologise. 
Um, so yes, in terms of water, so right, okay. Um, so you've, you've mentioned autism there, but autism obviously is only one aspect, one additional learning need. Um, how do you think that as, as CYF workers or as churches, we tend to hone in on certain needs as opposed to understanding the whole spectrum of needs? Um, quite frequently. Um, if, if I could just put a little correction in there. Of course, please. Um, autism isn't a learning disability. So it may affect the way children learn because we've never learned adequately how we teach children with autism, but it isn't actually a learning disability. Um, it's sensory processing, it's social, it's an awful lot of things, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but yes, a lot of churches that contact me about children with additional needs, they want specific training in autism. Mm -hmm. And I know in the Additional Needs Alliance, a lot of what we're talking about is autism and how churches respond to autism. To the point that we do actually get a few families that say, but my child has this and has that, but nobody talks about that. Mm -hmm. And it's very tempting to start another group up for those that have got physical disabilities. Um, uh, when I've actually mentioned this, sometimes I get people from the autism community that will say, yes, but the majority of needs are neurodiverse. That is the biggest diversity within disability. I totally agree. It probably is. Um, but while we've been talking about autism, ADHD and all those sorts of things, all of those that have mobility problems have either wheeled, limped or crutched away from the church. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about them because they're not there anymore. Mm. And I think that's awful. Yeah. A lot of the time that is because somebody's tried to pray for them. Um, sometimes it's because we've moved the children's work upstairs but if you want to stay with the creche that's fine i'm 14 i don't want to stay with the creche yeah. <laughs> uh, and lots of little things like that you know we forget them because yeah. we've got the ramp we've got the accessible loo that oh by the way is full of the cleaning equipment mm -hmm. and doesn't fit a power wheelchair even if it wasn't so you've got all of that happening because we think we've done it yeah. And autism is something new. It's something that's upsetting a lot of the other members of the church. It's something that's making children's work a lot more difficult. So, of course, that's what we're talking about. Mm. So I understand it, mm. but we need to understand there's a whole plethora of other things like sight loss, hearing loss. And hearing loss is probably not a good word for it because mm. many children that are deaf were born deaf. Mm. And it is everything about them. They are deaf. It's part of their character. Yeah. And we're not thinking about that. No. I mean, I was very fortunate. The a previous church that I was in, um, a, a little boy contracted meningitis and part of that lost his hearing. Um, parents were finding it very difficult to engage. So a number of us started learning British Sign Language. Oh, brilliant. And I was so pleased because essentially it, I was the children's and families worker at the time. It was just going to be me. 
but it was a case of I wasn't going to be able to accompany this child all the way through and so actually the church had to own this as well yeah. take responsibility for the nurture and the growth and the standing alongside the parents as they learn British Sign Language with their child and it, it really was it grew us all it, it blessed us all um and it was a it, we were at Baptist Union Council not so long ago and um it was great because we we have a deaf community within the Baptist family yeah. Um, I wish it was larger, I wish more people were, and I think the lady who was representing the deaf community wished it was much larger, but it was wonderful to have those who were signing, um, and, and to see those who were able to, within the songs, join in with the signing, even if we weren't fully fledged uh, BSL uh, practitioners, um, you know, it was, it was really heartwarming to see, so as churches we really do need to get a grip of this don't we as to where things are located yeah uh what things are actually accessible um how would you sort of if you wanted to encourage people what what are the main things that churches need to be thinking about practically oh practically is a biggie um first of all remember not everybody can see not everybody can hear not everybody can read and not everybody can understand our sermons and our talks. Not because, you know, that, that they don't want to try. They may have a, a learning disability. You may not be able to see that learning disability. But sometimes we need to be not dumbing down, but using better language. Mm. Um, the way we show things, the way we provide things. So if everything is written, we need to assume there will be someone that needs large print. We'll need to assume that there is someone that can't read. And maybe our news sheets need to be read and recorded. Mm -hmm. for people that can't read them and put on the website. Mm. Um, not everybody will speak up for themselves if they're struggling. So we need to be spotting those things. Um, if you have someone who is blind coming in, if we change things suddenly, that really affects how they can actually enter the church. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a child with very low vision and we change the way we do our Sunday school, and we change the room, we change everything. They're going to need a buddy to show them everywhere again, having already worked out where everything was. Now, bear in mind that people with sight loss, very few have no sight at all. Most will have a little bit that's slightly usable. But even with that little usable sight, you need support. Mm. Um, if you have deaf people, but you don't have a signer, not actually all, all hard of hearing or deaf people sign. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to allow lip reading. So if you're using a microphone, don't put it right in front of your mouth as if you're going to eat an ice cream. It's got to be a little bit lower. And if you're constantly moving, that really doesn't help that. If you've got bright lights that are behind, you can't lip read. If it's dark, you can't lip read. You know, some churches do their youth services with all the lights down and you can't lip read. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we start only thinking of one thing, we've forgotten the other people that can't uh, access what we're doing. Yeah. 
So that ramp, the loo that works. But one big plea actually that might not have occurred to anybody that listens to this. Can you quit having air fresheners in the church? <laughs> it sounds weird, um, but this will affect asthmatics, people that are sensitive to smells. And it's not just autistic people that are sensitive to smell. Um, many people are. Um, and it really doesn't help. We've had lots and lots of children whose problem have been air fresheners that have caused meltdowns. Right. <laughs> so, you wouldn't think it is. It's often it's the things that we we take for granted, you know, yeah. that everybody is, is OK with one particular thing. But actually, it's it's about really being very sensitive and aware of everybody's need. Yeah. Whatever. It's the same with hand dryers. Yeah, we have these really noisy hand dryers that are absolutely awful. And a lot of people in the autistic community are saying, look, can we quit with the hand dryers? Can we just have paper hand towels? It's not just autistic people. I can't do hand dryers because I've got to hold my hands up. My muscles don't allow that for any length of time. Yeah. Hand towels are much easier. Mm. If you know you've got children that are autistic, Whenever they're in the building, switch off the hand dryers. Mm. And it just makes it easier, but provide the, the paper towels. But we should be doing that anyway for anybody that has a mobility problem. Wow. You know, so it's people don't think about things like that. No, no. What's what's the response? If you go to a church and you can see very easy ways, so you, you can see that they want to engage. Yeah. Um, and you can see that actually, if you just did this, this would make it even better. What's generally the response if you make a challenge uh, to a church or to a group? Oh, it does vary. It really does. Um, if they have come to me for advice, it's easier because if they pull a face, well, you asked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I can be as rude <clears throat> as I want to when they've invited me to come and do that. And I do do that for churches mm. um sometimes i'm contacted by families who are struggling and they ask me to step in um it's not just me that does that i must admit i've had one recently that i couldn't get anywhere with so uh, another organization has taken that on mm -hmm. especially as the young lady concerned had actually transitioned into adulthood during the time i was trying to make a difference mm -hmm. um but sometimes it is that you can see the light go on. Oh, I didn't realize that. Others shut down and just say, don't you tell me what to do. Mm. <laughs> and I have had that quite forcibly from some. Yeah. So, you know, people think it costs a fortune to be accessible. No, some things may cost, but it's worth it. Other yeah. things don't cost anything but time. Time and thoughtfulness, isn't it, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Time, yeah. thoughtfulness, listening to the needs of those around. I was, I was really interested at one point you put, uh, you talked about why people may not engage with church, may not feel they belong within the church. And, and you mentioned the word prayer. They had been prayed for. Yeah. Um, is that to do with praying for 
healing? Is that to do with assumptions of prayer? What is the driving force that, that pushes people away, would you say, when it comes to prayer? Um, it is an assumption that disabled people need to be fixed. Um, you talk to anybody in the disability community, especially those that are born with a disability rather than became disabled, um, they are who they are. And actually, if you read, read the Bible, they are fearfully and wonderfully made and God has seen it all. And the assumption comes actually from history. So go way back in history, the church has been wonderful in providing the care and the nurture that has been needed by people for centuries for disability. Um, and then we have this tragedy narrative that disability is a tragedy. If I can put that in context, a lot of people will say to me whilst waving a dismissive hand at my wheelchair, I'd rather be dead than in that. And although Christians don't say that, it informs the way they react to disability. So you will get a parent come in with their child who's probably seriously ill, uses a nasogastric tube for feeding and is on oxygen as well. And the first instinct of many people is to go up and say, let's pray for your child. Not can I, mm. but let's do it. And the parent is going, just no, ask me what I want praying for. Mm. And Jesus sets that example as well. You know, as there are occasions in the Bible where Jesus says, what would you want? What do you want me to pray? What do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> and I experience this a lot. Here's another story. Mm. Um, I, I work as an advisor to some big Christian festivals on disability access. So I arrive on site and when I'm on site, I'm often part of the leadership team. So I'm there, I've got my radio, I've got my leadership badge on to say, you can talk to me if you've got a problem, but I'm here as the disability advisor. Um, on Twitter one year, I ended up cataloging every single offer of prayer for healing I had for the three weeks I was on site and I averaged I think it was two a day, but that meant one on one day, three on another. Mm, mm. And it really opened people's eyes to, to what it's like if you have a visible disability. Mm. And if that is the view. Now, let's take another view of that. If you have families that are not normally connected with the church, so they come to a messy church or something like that. And what they experience outside is people on the street coming up to them and going, can I pray for your healing? Can I, can I pray for your child's healing? And that is the first point of contact. What does that say? Mm. It says you are not welcome in church unless you are fixed and healed. If we start viewing that question from the point of curing and healing, you get a totally different perspective. So I'm not cured, I am healed. Mm. I am at peace with my disability. I am at peace with God. I have my days where I just go, oh, this is so frustrating. But I don't want coming up, people coming up and saying, well, let's pray for your healing. No, pray for my frustration yeah. that I would remain healed, not cured. Mm. If you go to a parent who has a child with additional needs, say, 
how can I pray for you today? Sometimes you'll get, my child is in such anguish because of A, B and C. Can you pray for that, mm. that we can get, get them through? Or a lot of problem with dribbling at the moment and their face is getting really sore. Can you pray for that? Mm. There will be little things. For me, if people say, what can you pray for? I ask for my ministry, mm-hmm. for my wisdom, mm-hmm. for my compassion. Mm. I never ask for healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I could say so much more on that one. <laughs> I'll leave it there. But I think that is a very interesting thing, isn't it? That as, as, as church, we are supposed to be the hands, the feet, the mouthpiece of Jesus. Yes. And yet, whereas Jesus made no assumptions, we make so many assumptions. You know, I, I love that story uh, th- that we have in the, in the scriptures where Jesus does turn around and say, what can I, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? Um, it, it, it changes everything. And that's his attitude, isn't it? With so many, with the woman at the well, can you give me some water? Yeah. It's, it's an opener. It's a not, you know, he could do anything for anyone uh, and he could just do it. But he doesn't take that. He takes that that humility and that compassion and that being alongside. And you know, if our children, youth, and family workers can model that, then again, we come back to those points that you have at the beginning, isn't it? It's, it's the listening, it's the hearing, it's the understanding, it's the believing. Yes. In the child, in the family in all of those across the generations. Do you think this is just an issue for our children and young people who have additional needs? Or is this an issue that goes right the way through the spectrum across our generations? It goes across the generations. Um, The first thing to bear in mind is that children with additional needs grow up to be adults with additional needs. And the biggest biggest problem we have in our churches on additional needs is that transition to adulthood what do we do you know it's that what do we do with them Mm. which in itself isn't very complimentary is it (laughs) yeah how do we transition through if you've got a, a young lady with down syndrome who is absolutely wonderful all the way through kids work we've all grown to love them what do we do when they're an adult? Do we expect them to just join in with the adult worship? Do we mentor them into actually doing stuff that's compassionate, ministry-based stuff? Do we let them be on the welcome team? I think you should always have people with learning disabilities on your welcome team because they're awesome at it. Mm. Not all, but <laughs> a good majority. That was a bit of a generalization, wasn't it? Um, But yeah, there are so many things. And I would actually dare any church that might be hearing this to allow someone with a learning disability to preach one Sunday. Mm. Because you'll learn a lot. Yeah. And the prayer ministry. Have I got time to tell you a story on that? Yes, please. Thanks. (laughs) Um, This is not my story. It's a story for a friend of mine, um, that runs an organisation called, um, I've just forgotten it, isn't that terrible? (laughs) 
count everyone in. Hey. <laughs> count everyone in. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, Pete and Christine will melt. Great people. Pete tells a story about a young lad with uh, Down syndrome that was on the welcoming team. The couple came in and he took one look at them and just said, you've been arguing. And they had. And he said, I'm not letting you through the door until you hug. And that is a good lesson because you can't go into a service with that festering sort of we've argued and whose fault is it? You need to get that sorted before you come in to God's presence. Yeah. And he got it and he saw it and he insisted, <laughs> made them hug each other before oh, going that's in. Wonderful. Yeah, he had a real gift of discernment of actually seeing those things. And I've seen so many people who are have a learning disability or on the autistic spectrum that have that ability to see so deeply. You know, they look into your eyes and see right down to your boots. Yeah. And who says people with disabilities cannot minister yeah. when they have gifts like that? We're missing out if we don't allow it. Absolutely. But we need to plan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it is, it's about seeing everybody as a blessing. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> I, I love, you know, I, I know it's scriptural, but that, that phraseology, everyone is wonderfully and fearfully made. How, yeah. how do we open our eyes and see the, the incredible diversity that's around us? And if we embrace it, then God will do phenomenal work around it. Yeah. Kay, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you so much for your time, for your energy, for your enthusiasm, for your openness. Really do appreciate all that you've brought to us. Thank you so much. And uh, we bless you in the ministry you are doing. Thank you. you got as much out of uh, that podcast as I did in recording it I really did appreciate the time that Kay spent with us and uh, there will be opportunity at least the hope is that there will be opportunity in the coming months uh, for Kay to do some bespoke training with all of our associations across the CYF uh, sphere uh, in terms of looking at how can we make ourselves more open? How can we be more inclusive? So do watch this space and we will get information out to you uh, as that becomes available. But I wonder what stood out for you. I wonder what your next steps might be. And I wonder who else needs to join the conversation. Until next time. Keep joining those dots. Mm -hmm.